Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. You're going to be living in a world in the midst of wolves, the enemy. People that the enemy are going to use can and will come against you at some point. And as we've seen in the world that we live in, the wolves seem like they're coming out in droves. It seems like they're popping up more and more. But Jesus says, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. God has given us the help to be wise as serpents. Because I've always wondered, well, how do I be wise as a serpent? And God has given us this help. Have you ever been persecuted for your faith in Jesus? Pastor Eric will be encouraging us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves because the world is only getting more antagonistic towards us. Don't allow the enemy to discourage you from standing up for the Lord at school, your job, or even among your own family. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for today's edition of Grace to the Hearers. Now a certain man was of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, and the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or sword? Uh, for I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Uh, verse 9, So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed is in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. And so here we see the, the second part of our scene in the house of God. David is still communicating to the priest Ahimelech uh, after he's received the bread. Uh, now he's like, man, you know what? You got, I got some bread. I got some food. Uh, hey, hey, priest, do you have any like weapons around here? You know, because uh, I seem to have forgotten mine. I'm thinking in my mind when I'm seeing this was like, couldn't Ahimelech see right through David? I mean, this guy was totally not prepared, and you could tell that something was off. If you were on the king's business, don't you think that the king would prepare you and send you out with food, and not only food, but with a weapon? I would think so. But nevertheless, Ahimelech, the priest says, you know what, David, the only weapon that I have here, it's wrapped up in the cloth, and it's behind the ephod, and it's the sword of Goliath, uh, you know, the guy that you killed. And he goes, if you want that one, there it is. And David's like, yes, there's none like it. It'll work for me. So he takes Goliath's sword, and then he is going to get ready to depart. But before he departs, let's look at another character that we're introduced, who will be in our teaching next week in chapter 22, uh, Lord willing. It says uh, that Doag, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen belonged to Saul, was there. Now, who is this guy? Well, Doag, according to our text, was King Saul's head herdsman. He was the head herdsman for King Saul. Now, notice that he was an Edomite. He was not from Israel. He was an Edomite, meaning what? He was from the descendant of Esau, okay? Esau was the brother of Jacob. Interesting. Now, as he was there in the temple... Not sure why he was in the, the, in the house of God. Maybe he was just doing his duty to keep his job in front of the king. I don't know. But he was an Edomite. He, he didn't practice what the Israelites were practicing. But he was there in the house of God. And there's a reason why he was in the house of God. And we'll see that next week. But he was there. And as he was there, 
he was watching David. I mean, this guy had to know who David was, you know, because David was sitting at the king's table. And, and so he was, he was watching him. And then what do you think that he would do then if he saw David in the house of God in Nob? Well, he's going to report it to who? King Saul, right? And we'll see that as we study. Our study continues in 1 Samuel in the weeks to come. And, and so now... David is armed, okay? He's got the Goliath sword. And now we're going to see in verses 10 through 15 that he flees to Gath. So let's continue our reading tonight. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achaish, the king of Gath. Now the servants of Achaish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Verse 12, Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. In verse 13, So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched at the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Intense. Verse 14, Then Achaish said to his servants, Look, you see this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman? Madman? That you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And so then we stop right there. But here's the scene. David then is off and fleeing from Saul once again, right? And he has the sword of Goliath, and he comes into the city uh, uh, or the area of Gath, the territory of Gath. Now, Gath was a Philistine city. It was a Philistine city that he came to. In fact, it even gets greater than this. The story intensifies. Gath was the hometown of of Goliath. He was the hometown of Goliath. So David, who killed Goliath, is rolling in town with whose sword? Goliath. Uh-oh. This should be interesting. And now the people of Gath saw David, and they recognized him. They said amongst themselves, is this not David, the king of the land? The king of the land. Now, it's sad to me that the people, the enemy the Philistines, recognizes David as the king of Israel. Why didn't the people of Israel recognize it, you know? But here, the enemy recognizes David as king. What was Saul's issue, you know? Well, I guess himself, I suppose. You know, he didn't want to get out of the way. Uh, he wanted to remain king. So now the people of Gath even recalled the, the song and the dance that was performed when David killed Goliath. If you guys remember that time in 1 Samuel chapter 18, the women of the city came out and they were dancing and they were singing this song saying, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now, word must have gotten out because here we see the Philistines have heard what had happened after David returned from the battle. They knew what was going on and so they see David, and they're like, this, this guy, he killed our, our hero. He killed Goliath, and he's in our city. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> hmm, I'm sure that's what they exactly did too. Hmm, interesting. 
probably not. They're probably ready to kill him. And so they take them, and take David, and, and bring him to the, the, uh, the presence of the king. And, and David, when he heard them say, like, isn't this the guy that they said Saul slain thousands and David slain ten thousands? Did you, did you catch what the word said? That David took these words to heart and, it was very, and, he, and was very much afraid of the king of Gath. He was very much afraid. Well, I bet he was afraid because he probably thought that his life was in danger, that they were going to surely kill him. And so the Philistines were no stupid people. They were very aware of their enemy, uh, David and the Israelites. Now here's something to remember. We as believers face an enemy. We as believers face an enemy. And according to Ephesians, it is not flesh and blood that we face. It is the principalities of darkness that is the enemy. Jesus himself said, note this, Jesus himself said, there are wolves in our midst. There's wolves in our midst. Uh, in fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 10, verse 16. Behold, Jesus speaking, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. What is Jesus communicating? Hey, you're going to be living in a world in the midst of wolves, the enemy. People that the enemy are going to use can and will come against you at some point. And as we've seen in the world that we live in, the wolves seem like they're coming out in droves. It seems like they're popping up more and more. But Jesus says, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. God has given us the help to be wise as serpents. Because I've always wondered, well, how do I be wise as a serpent? And God has given us this help. And that help comes from the Holy Spirit. God's spirit, God's personality, who God is, his character has been sent to you and I to help us have a discerning heart to know what this danger would look like and how to react in the danger of the wolves and stuff like that uh, that they, they, they bring. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, or I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 10, the apostle Paul, he tells us that one of the gifts, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is this, the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. Well, how in the world do I get that? Because I would love to have the discerning of spirits. Ask. Ask. As simple as that. Ask Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him to give it to you. Jesus said this according to the Holy Spirit. He says this in Luke chapter 11 verse 13. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so here in the text, Jesus is saying, you know, us as humans, we're not perfect, but when it comes to our kids, we're going to take care of them. We're going to give them what they need. I mean, if your child came to you and said, hey, are you hungry? I'm hungry, Dad. Okay, son, here's a rock. No, you wouldn't do that. You would give them a bread or something to feed their stomachs. And so here Jesus is saying, how much more will your heavenly Father take care of you if you ask? And the Holy Spirit is, is something that, is, uh, that he is. It's not something. It's a he. He is very powerful. He is very helpful, hence why he's called the helper. And I praise God for the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, because without him, I can't even imagine trying to walk the life of a Christian. I honestly can't. And, and so God is saying to us, Jesus is saying to us in Luke, if you need help 
And you want the gifts of the Spirit, and you, if you can read those on your own in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, that's a good place to start. Then ask. Then ask. Ask. And then God will give that to you. Pretty awesome. So just like the Philistines, we too need to be aware of our enemy. We too need to know that there's an enemy lurking. And we need to be on uh, the awareness of that enemy, just as they were with David. Now, David, as he flees the Gath, you know, the, the Philistines recognized him, right? It, it really doesn't make any sense to me why he would go to Gath. It really doesn't make any sense to me. The Bible doesn't tell us why he went there or how he ended up there, especially when, knowing that you have Goliath's sword and you're going into his hometown. It makes no sense to me. But God was going to do a mighty work anyways through it. Uh, and sometimes, you know what, you don't know why a situation is happening or why you're in a place. You know, when we first came to Coolidge, I was like, why are we in Coolidge? <laughs> you know, to be my honest opinion, uh, that's just my thought process. Eight years ago, I'm like, Coolidge. I only came down here for Taco Bell, you know, at the time because I was living in Queen Creek. But I didn't, it didn't make any sense. But yet God had a good work. Amen? Anyways, I believe you guys understand what I'm trying to say. Even in the midst of under, not understanding, and it doesn't make any sense, God has a good work going to happen. So he comes, and that good work, I truly believe that good work that God had for him to come into, uh, into Gath was not for David to act like a madman and to have saliva coming out on his beard, although that is pretty neat and pretty interesting, I think, you know, that he could, you know, saliva all over his beard. I'm like, wow, it's crazy. But Here's the good work. When he came to Gath and when his heart became afraid, God emplaced upon his heart Psalm 56. Psalm 56. And if you would, guys, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 56 as we look at this psalm tonight. So as the Philistines recognize David, David becomes afraid. So let's look at David's prayer to the Lord in Psalm 56. To the chief musician set to the silent dove in distant lands at Mitchum of David of the Philistines captured him in Gath. Be merciful to me, O God, for man will swallow me up. Fighting all the day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me. O Most High, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I are in God, I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Verse 5. All the, day, uh, all the day they twist my words, and all their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps when they lie in wait for my life. Shall they escape by iniquity? In anger cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust and I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I, might, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? What a beautiful prayer that here David prays back to God. 
Now, I'm not sure exactly when he wrote this, if it was actually at the time or if it was after, but I know that God, in the situation when he became afraid, God emplaced upon his heart these words to pray back. Because how do I know that? Because all the word, every scripture is inspired by God. It's inspired by God. It's God-breathed. So in the psalm, the prayer, David prayed to the Lord. David asked the Lord to be, what, number one, merciful to him. David is asking God for his favor. He's asking God for his favor. David acknowledges that his enemy is against him. He acknowledges it. In verse 3, David is reminded to trust in the Lord when he is afraid. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. A great reminder from God. Remember in 1 Samuel, David was recorded uh, as being afraid, as we read in our text. He was afraid. But here, he remembered to trust in the Lord. And that his fear then, as we continue to read in Psalm 56, that his fear then continued to start to fade away because of his trust in the Lord. I love verse 4 of Psalm 56. It says, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? I love that verse. I love the verse because it really reveals the heart of David and the confidence that he had in God. The confidence knowing that God was going to defend him and be there for him. And he's like, What what can man do to me? I'm not going to be afraid because God is there. And he is for me. In verses 5 through 7, David goes into more detail of what the enemy was doing. David asks God, shall they escape iniquity? David then asked God God, that he would cast down his anger upon these people. Cast down meaning to put down. David was asking God to put his enemy down. In verse 8, David tells the Lord that he knows, that the Lord knows his wanderings. He knows that David is on the run. He knows that he's fleeing from Saul. His life is up, you know, he's being pursued. David goes on and he knows that God is for him. Having the knowledge that David goes and says that he will praise the Lord. I mean, can you imagine you're in this Philistine city, I'm trying to paint the picture, and maybe you guys have got it. This is enemy territory. And here's a man who is praising God. He's praising him, even in the midst of his enemy. David says that, God, I know that you have my, you have my tears in a bottle. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, verse 9, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. David's confidence, his heart was in the Lord. He knew no matter what, even in in the state of being afraid and crying, tears flowing, that God had his tears. God had his tears. He heard him. He knew that he was hurting. He knew that he was afraid. But yet David was recognizing and he was praising God. I know you have my tears And for somebody to hold your tears, that would tell me that that person loves you and cares about you, no matter the situation. He knows. David concludes his prayer by saying that he knows that God has delivered his soul from death. He knows that his soul has been delivered from death. He tells us in verse 13, for you have delivered my soul from death. Not my words, but that's what God is saying. 
That's what David is praying. I know, God, you have delivered my soul from death. He knows that God has kept his feet from failing. I can't even imagine being in the situation that David was in. God has done this so that David can walk before God. So we see that David in our text, that David was afraid in Gath. Then we see him go to prayer, which is recorded in Psalm 56. Now here's the reality, is, is that we all face difficult times. There's different, difficult times, there's different situations where we're afraid. We're afraid. But here, God gives us the answer on what we should do when we face those times. Number one, pray. Pray. There's extreme power in prayer. Why? Because you're communicating directly to God. You're communicating directly to God. There's power in prayer. Yet, it seems to be in the church... It seems to be the, the, one of the ministries that is not focused upon. I don't understand it. What would happen if the body came together more frequently and just be praying as one? You know, and I know that you guys pray individually, but there's power when there's a community coming together and praying and agreeing and united as one mind. You see it in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit fell, man. And then 3,000 people came to Christ that day. What could happen when the body comes together and prays in, you, in a united heart? Great things, I guarantee it. Great things happen when people pray. Number two, we see David doing this. Remembering God's promises. Remembering God's promises. Here in Psalm 56, we see David recalling that God is for him. And instead of being afraid, he is going to trust God. He's going to trust the Lord. Fully knowing that God is going to protect him. Fully confident that God had his back. He remembered God's promises. Number three, we see David praising God. We see him praising. With the understanding that God was for him, David praised the Lord. David was rejoicing that his God was going to come through for him. In the time of being afraid, do you believe that God is going to come through for you? Do you believe that God is going to have your back? That he, there's a God in heaven who loves you and who cares about you so much and that he has bottled your tears and he knows the pain. Do you believe that he's going to come through? In time of being afraid, do you trust God? Do you trust God? In time of being afraid, are you bold? Are you bold to ask God for help? Are you bold to ask God for help? Many times I think, I think, <laughs> that's the problem. When there's concern, when there's fear or that time of being afraid, I start going through plans. Plan A, plan B, plan C. What happens if the person says this? What happens if the person gets up and does that? But here's the thing. Here's the reality. <laughs> My plans are not God's plans. My thoughts are not God's thoughts. Do I boldly ask God, just as David boldly asked God, he boldly asked him to take out his enemy. You've been listening to Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. 
CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Calvary Chapel Coolidge, can be downloaded from our website at gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number is 520-723-7047. We are so blessed by the technology that we have these days. Most of us have numerous versions of the Bible, and now with mobile technology, we have the Bible right on our phones and tablets. Grace to the Hearers is available in podcast format for use on any device. Simply log on to gracetothehearers.com and follow the links to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Or simply search for Grace to the Hearers in the iTunes Store. Again, our web address is gracetothehearers.com. Subscribing to a podcast like Grace to the Hearers is a wonderful way to infuse God's Word into your everyday life. Please log on to gracetothehearers.com today and subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel, right here on Grace to the Hearers.